0: portland radio project that was delta spirit with come on people and i'm excited today to have uh have a guest in the studio with me who is a a really really top-notch guitar player and a songwriter and all-around swell fella i've got dave Mullaney here in studio with me and uh Thank you for
1: joining me for songs to the source. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here, Rob.
0: Yeah. So you know what I what I often do when we when uh, we come in and you know have a guest on is we'll talk a little bit about your background and how you got into playing music and um, you know and kind of kind of build into playing a couple of live tunes and and feeling it out. And I'm excited. Uh, Dave has uh, agreed to my arm twisting that I'm going to get to play with him today. So um, excited about that. But. Let's dive right into it. So, tell me about music. Where did it all start for you? Like, how old were you when you picked up an instrument and and got going?
1: So, the very first instrument I remember was a guitar when I was maybe eight years old, nineteen sixty-three. Mm. Um, Ricky Nelson's, you know, his parents had a TV show and uh, Ozzy and Harriet, and yeah. like Ricky Nelson was cool. Got an acoustic guitar as a result of that infatuation. I don't remember much about it. It was like a cowboy guitar. That came and went. But then uh, I got a drum when I was 10 years old, 1965. I had one snare drum. The next year, my folks gave me a little 10-inch Zildjian cymbal. We went down to the music store and bought this cool cymbal. And that's what I did in the middle of the 60s. I was always attracted to music. Yeah. But uh, it was 1968 that a friend sold me a guitar. He bought it for $4. He sold it to me for 2 He (laughs) took a real beating on it. And I just remember putting it on. It was an electric guitar. I I, I remember, first memory, was putting it on, standing in front of the mirror and flipping the switches on it, thinking it was so cool. But I didn't really think I was, I didn't think about playing. I just thought it was so cool to have an electric guitar. Because the Beatles were the big thing for me, right? Yeah. Um, But that's when it started. Went and got a Beatles book, started painfully following the chords in the chord book. And pretty early on, within the first year, just started jam with friends at the school. So it was performing you know, little coffee shops and stuff all since the late 60s.
0: So it's just a pretty natural progression of just... It sounds like it was a social thing with friends, right? Oh, yeah. Most assuredly.
1: Yeah. All my other friends that I knew in school were like, athletic or they were intelligent they just <laughs> they got along well in school Me, i was just kind of the lost one you know
0: it's funny how many musicians i meet that are that are like well i really couldn't do anything else so i just thought i'd i'd get into my guitar you know yeah i'm i relate to you know i'm like uh I, I don't know what else i'd do you know
1: <laughs> yeah it was a place that i I don't know if being like the dreamer, maybe I fantasized about being in a big band and being on TV or all that. I just knew that I kept playing. Yeah. You know, and uh, through relationships. I have friends who went to college. Yeah, I went to college and I sold my guitar. It was in the closet. I never picked it back up. With me, it was always there move, bring the guitar. Yeah. You know, I ended up uh, playing upstate New York. You know, I grew grew up in Kingston near Woodstock and I played in local bands. Girlfriend moved down to Manhattan, I followed her. Put the guitar mostly away for a year. Had an acoustic but didn't play it much, wasn't performing, and we split up. And I just uh, decided, man, I got to do some catching up.
0: Yeah. So, you know, a lot of musicians that I know talk about that consistency of of their instrument. It's always there. And, you know, it, it almost becomes a relationship. It's like... You, know, you talk about relationships coming and going, and your guitar is always there. For me, I don't know if you can relate to this, but you know, playing a guitar has always been kind of a, a, a comfortable place. You know, and yeah. even when it's pushing you and stuff, like I'll sit there with my electric guitar because it's quieter. But you know, if I'm watching a movie or something at home, I'm just sitting there running scales. <laughs> you know, and it's just kind of like you're doing it all the time.
1: Yeah. So. Leave it out on a stand, just pick it up, even if it's only a couple of minutes. It's the yeah. consistency that that um, I think has got brought me here, yeah you
0: know? now, and you uh, you teach as well, right? I do, yeah, so you uh, you probably have a variety of age groups and people that you teach, but what is it about teaching music that you know aside from you've got to make a living as a musician, you know, but I mean, what about the teaching draws you?
1: I really think of it as mentoring. Um, some of the blues stuff that I do, Reverend Gary Davis, was taught to me by a guy named John Cephas. John uh, was a Piedmont player and uh, just outstanding, just an outstanding player and a human being. He was very supportive of me. Um, and I ended up studying with him through the 90s and then working with him in the 2000 time range. We both taught at uh, a guitar seminar in the East and West Coast together. Um, so that passing on of what he did for me as a mentor, I, I have a couple students that are following that very intricate blues style. Mm. That's appealing to me to know that the music that passed for generations is continuing to do so in that fashion. Yeah, it's like
0: and, a, a torchbearer of the uh, of the craft. In a sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, and then the rest of it, I um, I really enjoy coaching people. Making, you know, helping them make make it through the tough stuff, you know. Yeah. So I use humor a lot, analogies when I'm teaching, just anything that moves them forward, you know. Keep them motivated if I can, you know. It's a personal journey for them, but I want to make sure that uh, that I'm doing my best. So what I really love about teaching, basically, is each student's relationship is a little different, and I've gotten to learn so much music because. People come to me for stuff I would not have normally, you know, been exposed to. Mm. You know, the young teenager wanted to learn Blink One Eighty Two, so I go out and learn <laughs> Blink One Eighty Two.
0: Yeah, trying to, you know, it's easy to get stuck in the music we know. You know, we, uh, I'm, I'm listening and playing music a lot of times. It's from before my time. You know, because I'm about forty, and you know, it's like I, I grew up in the '80s and '90s, and the, a lot of the music I love those from the '60s and '70s. And sometimes i'll have uh i'll have a student i teach i teach as well, and I'll have a student that wants to learn something newer like that and my first reaction sometimes is, sometimes it's like "Oh, I don't want to listen to this garbage you know dr-dr-dr. and then I start listening to the song, and I'm like, you know this is just it's just changes in melody and and lyric it's yeah. just in a different style, and it kind of stretches you and it's a cool deal so um well what's the first tune you have for us
1: I think maybe Mr. engineer. <laughs> okay and this is uh, an original tune of yours right yeah this one's an original and um, it's on my first CD this the second one's gonna follow it someday <laughs> yeah so this is just a fun fun song for me I uh, came up with this one um, at a studio one time we were waiting to roll and uh, just banging out some chords to kill some time with a harp player, and this game out. So to get it rolling here? Yeah, let's do it. you stop that train Mr. Engineer, yes Won't you stop that train I got my baby on board and I'm standing in the pouring rain Mr. Engineer, won't you bring her back Mr. New yes, bring my baby back Well, I feel so low, lay my head down on that track Well, I've loved some girls, but I loved them most of all Won't you hear me cry, Mr. and Johnny, yeah, won't you hear me cry? Well, I love that girl, you know, she never did say goodbye, Mr. and Johnny, yes, won't you hear me call? Girls, But I loved her most of all Mr. Engineer, yeah, bring my baby
0: home Nice. And if you're just joining us, um, I'm here in the studio with uh, Mr. Dave Mullaney, and a uh, great 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 guitar player we had uh, some people on talkboard asking who was in with me and uh, must have just joined in but yes dave Mullaney and uh, thank you that was a great tune now that you said is on your uh, your album
1: my city little wonder yes
0: little wonder okay yeah and we'll get information up uh, when i make a podcast of the interview and get information on where people can connect to that so oh, great so definitely some uh some blues influence you know the pick and i i hear i hear some some doc watson in there and i think i told you this before i i met you we both played at a private party and uh you had your electric band and my absolute first instinct was like this guy's got some clapton flowing through his veins (laughs) and uh so i mean talking about influences who who really kind of got you going you mentioned the beatles and you're standing there flipping your switches on your guitar and you know But but who was it that, that really kind of drove you getting into guitar?
1: You know, it's really funny that uh, sometimes I don't see my influences as they come out. Like you mentioned Clapton, and I listened to Clapton. My brother used to listen to Cream more than I did, but I loved Blind Faith. Oh, yeah. And I followed Clapton's solo career. Early on, um, I had an opportunity. I joined a band after New York. Uh, this band was comprised of members of Elephant's Memory, which was the backup band for John Lennon for a couple of years. Yeah. So because of that connection, we got to back up Bo Diddley a bunch of times. And so I always really loved that kind of dance, rock, blues, electric thing, you know, kind of groove music. Um, and that was my my uh, electric guitar experience, basically in New York City. Reggae, I loved reggae. Mm. I ended up... Uh, getting to know one of the guys in the Whalers, living in New York City, you know, your na- this guy was the keyboard player and got to know him. So, you know, these incredible experiences with this ver- this variety of music. Yeah. Um, what I ended up playing was basically blues rock bands. And then I moved to Portland. And a big change for me, and what you're hearing in songs like this, is when Clapton put out his Unplugged album. Yeah,
0: that was pivotal. It's amazing how many people I talked to, myself included, that that album just kind of opened some doors
1: yeah it helped bridge the gap between my and my fondness it wasn't a love of blues at the time as i moved deeper into that and listening to and playing with john cephas studying with him guys like reverend gary davis these mm. gospel players from the 30s that all started to pull in and influence what i was doing in the 90s i focused considerably more on acoustic guitar and that's also when the teaching came in right uh the, that style of music finger style blues is challenging to me and rewarding in that way and also I was able to play gig solo I didn't have to put a whole band together it was right. much easier to schedule <laughs> and flexible but,
0: so many musicians that's the rub is being able to put on a good solo show I, I, a lot of it's economics yeah it's like well the gig pays this much and if I hire somebody I gotta split it or you know yeah so I know guys that got into finger style and different types of music and myself included you know I have a whole set I'll do by myself sometimes and So, um, and I'm
1: sure, um, on that same thought, that's what Reverend Gary Davis was talking about. You know, well, you know, I'm going to be playing here for ten bucks. If I got to hire an upright bass player, then it's five bucks each. You know, whatever. Yeah. You know,
0: well, and you know, you you talk about that Clapton record, um, which you know, until that point, I was aware of the blues, but I didn't really know anything about it my dad was a player and actually we're standing we're, we're right now we're in the uh, the day music building on 55th and foster where my dad bought his first guitar in 1966 and he was also a beatles guy oh, um great. he bought his first amplifier which i inherited those and then like an idiot i like sold and traded them off when i was in college but um and then i bought my first guitar here with my dad so it's like you know music and my point and kind of moving into that is like I was aware of rock. I was aware of the blues. I knew the Beatles, all the stuff, and then Clapton put out that record, and all of a sudden there's all these Robert Johnson tunes, and I'm like, Robert Johnson. I don't know who this is, you know. And I read about the this stuff about you know the devil and the crossroads and all that kind of stuff, and uh, it opened up this world to me. Like I, that was the first time I remember experiencing what you know was quote unquote black music, and as a you know a white kid growing up on the the coast out here, like. It was a completely new experience to me. Now, you probably had more diversity in New York City than, you know, than that before that. But Yeah, was, in, uh,
1: in New York, um, the drummer that I was working with, Rick Frank, who played yeah. th- with the Lennon Band, Rick turned me on to like Aretha Franklin and, and a lot of soul music. And reggae. I've been listening to some reggae when, before I came to the city, but that was probably influenced with Clapton releasing I Shot the Sheriff. Oh, yeah. Opening all those things. You know, my listening upstate was mostly uh, blues rock, you know, uh, Grateful Dead, Pink Floyd. you right. know, The the variety of stuff there, plus the pop stuff, you know, yeah. whatever was going on. I really enjoyed the music, the band. Um, Me too. And, you know, they were local guys, so it was kind of cool that you know, you'd... Once in, a, once in a great while you might see one of them like around town it's
0: kind of cool. <laughs> that's cool yeah you know, it was interesting for me the whole you know kind of race in music which you know for me honestly is front of mind right now there's so much tension with the, you know from the election and not to dive too far into the politics but like mm-hmm. there's just some, some craziness going on and um, I'm, the awareness level for me is so big because I you know I remember growing up listening to the oldie station there's all this Motown this is how sheltered i was out at the coast i had no idea that motown music was black people like it was just music i didn't care you know and i remember i was listening to it and i had this kid at one point i was uh i was at some high school athletic event i was listening to um a a song and this kid goes that's black music and i was like what you know it's just it was an odd thing so anyway not to tangent off too far but yeah that record you know for fingerstyle blues and that whole world it was a big one and uh, yeah I can definitely hear it in your playing, and uh, <laughs> that I have to also call out absolutely gorgeous instrument you've got there. Is that a uh, Santa Cruz or what? Yeah,
1: you know uh, this is a Santa Cruz OM, the Orchestra model. Yeah, and um, I talked about working that seminar back east, and they were one of the sponsors, so I approached them to see if you know they could help me get into one of the guitars, and I'm grateful for uh that they did that's um, great you know it's what's technically for any guitar plays out there the orchestra model was them trying to was martin trying to make a smaller body guitar that still kicked out considerable bass without having the big size of a, a dreadnought right so it's a fun one for finger style playing it has a good balance
0: yeah and a good dynamic punch too i noticed with an om or om is a orchestra model yeah it's a guitar guitar term but um the the harder you hit it, the more it gives you. Whereas, a uh, bigger guitars tend to kind of kind of max out on how hard they'll they'll yeah. respond for you.
1: Very res- very responsive. And
0: I can hear it when you're playing; it real punches in spots. It's Kind yeah. of cool. So anyway, we could get guitar nerdy for a while. But <laughs> you got another tune?
1: Yeah, if you would be okay, I, I'd like to play one of mine. I think it's appropriate for the time. This song I started writing. When we had floods in Portland, I think it was 9'5, 96, yeah, some people died. Mm. It was a very serious time, um, and it happened so quickly. and I started writing the song after I read it in the newspaper of some of the accounts of people. The verses talk about that. Mm. Um, and I f- finished it when my brother was, uh, went through Katrina from the French Quarter. Mm. We didn't hear from him for like five days, and we you know it was one of those stories you really didn't know what was happening. yeah So this one's called "The River's Rise." And I think it's appropriate in times like this when I think people really want to be able to come together. Yeah. And that's what it speaks to.
0: All right. Dave Mullaney, Rivers Rise.
1: The river rose as the rain came down. Muddy water, muddy ground. Everything we knew got turned around. But people came together, they held their ground. Just a little girl on the river shore She left grandma waiting by the kitchen door She was gone a minute Now she's gone for good Just a memory lives Where she last stood What can anybody do What can anybody say? What heals a broken heart When the rains have gone away? My love is all I have To give to you today Love is the only thing that the river can't wash away. They held each other tight on their wedding night Now fifty years have passed at the speed of light She was in the water, river rushing by He could hold no longer, he still hears her cry What can anybody do? What can anybody say? What heals a broken heart when the rain has gone away? My love is all I have to give to you today. Love is the only thing That the river can't wash away Love is the only thing That the river can't wash away
0: could all meditate on those lyrics for a while it's a timely and beautiful tune man and uh is that one on
1: your record as well that's coming up on cd number two okay (laughs) when can we expect that Uh, that one's in the very near future okay i'll keep that posted on my website you know nice
0: yeah we'll get your website up too when we uh we post about this great and
1: And facebook Facebook. oh yeah
0: we'll get that connected too so well thank you so much and uh i uh I, man, I, I just think that this kind of music and uh, the kind of, the family connections, you know, I think about acoustic music and the history of people kind of sitting at home and engaging. parlor guitar. Parlor guitar. In, parlor parlor guitar guitar in the, the parlor, yeah.
1: No radio invented yet. <laughs> and you know, it's a... Uh, conversations and tradition.
0: Yeah, and it's, that's, what, that's what I love about this kind of stuff. So I thought maybe we could take, uh, take us out here with uh, picking a tune. Yeah, and you had one. Uh, you had one that uh, you would, had mentioned playing before. So, um, what's this tune called?
1: This one's called Whistling. This is also on the CD. I had the a, a great a, a joy of having Mary Flower join me with uh, this one on the CD, Little Wonder. So, this one's called Whistling Rag.
0: All right. <laughs> try to keep up with you uh you are a excellent excellent player sir thank you for uh <laughs> you, for being on and uh like i said we'll we'll get some information up about uh, where you can uh catch dave playing and hear some of his music thank you so much for being on this Rob, beautiful thank time thank
1: you for having me pleasure Real yeah
0: pleasure. all right folks we'll uh we're gonna play a little bit more music we've got uh jason durlow kiss the sky portland radio project <laughs>